Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hate crimes against Asian Americans have surged in a remarkable way over the past year. It's wrong, it's un-American, and it must stop. In fact, a recent analysis from the Center for the Study of Hate and Extremism at California State University looked at police statistics from 16 of America's largest cities, including New York. It found that while hate crime last year decreased 7 percent, crimes targeting Asian Americans rose by nearly 150 percent. Here in New York, the jump was over 800 percent. Our community is bleeding. We are in pain. And for the last year, we've been screaming out for help. This week, On 880 In-Depth, a conversation with New York's first and only Asian-American member of Congress, Grace Mang from Queens, who's one of the main sponsors of a bill now making its way through Congress to tackle hate crimes targeting Asian-Americans. I know a lot of families are telling their parents and their grandparents not to go out if they need groceries. They are coming by to drop the groceries off so their parents don't have to leave the house. Our conversation in-depth with Congresswoman Grace Mang. I'm Tim Scheld from WCBS News Radio 880, and welcome to 880 In-Depth. Grace Mang was born and raised in Queens. She is an Asian-American daughter of immigrants who was raised in the tradition of her people, she says, to blend in and live quietly within her community. But now, after spending the last year dealing with anti-Asian rhetoric, much of it coming from the president and his then-supporters, Grace Mang is standing up and using her voice. Thank you, Chairman Nadler, Chairman Cohen, Ranking Member Thompson, and distinguished members of this committee for organizing today's hearing. The topic is discrimination and violence against Asian Americans, Some of us seem to be going a little off topic. I'm not sure why. People are scared, she told our Peter Haskell. People are telling older relatives to stay inside to be safe. It's one of the reasons she helped co-sponsor legislation making its way through the Senate now to empower the federal government and the Justice Department to deal specifically with Asian hate crimes. Congresswoman Grace Mang got on the phone with Peter Haskell a few hours before she sat down for a meeting with President Biden in the Oval Office. We began asking her to describe the scope of the problem. Well, 
we know that attacks against Asian Americans and uh, against anyone really is not anything new in our history, but we also know that the number of incidents have really skyrocketed within the last year or so. Um, this has uh, really been an issue with the former president using language like Chinese virus, Kung flu, and really uh, led to a lot of these types of incidents and Asian Americans being scapegoated uh, for this virus. So it's been really alarming. People are afraid to leave their homes. They're not letting their grandparents go out. They're preventing their children from going outside to play because they don't want them to get uh, attacked or harassed. You talk about the president, but you know better than anybody that this has been a problem for years. So what is your sense? How much of it is the former president's language? How much is it economic stress? How much is it mental illness? What's your take? I mean, it's a combination of everything. I just believe that if you look at the data, the number of incidents that it's really skyrocketed in the last year uh, about the time when he was using that language. And of course, using uh, incendiary language at a time where uh, our country and our world was going through this global pandemic, people losing their jobs, people losing loved ones, losing their homes, and people were really frightened about a uh, disease that we didn't know much about in the beginning. Um, and so oftentimes, as has happened often in our history, uh, communities are uh, scapegoated uh, out of ignorant fear. You talk about the, that fear. I'm, I'm curious, uh, how old are your kids and what do you tell them? And did your parents have a similar conversation with you as a kid? That's a great question. Um, I don't have any necessarily right answers on how to talk to children, although I will say that a lot of people have been asking, you know, what do you say to your kids? How do you say it? Um, and I say, you know, try to bring up the issue in a very uh, natural and organic way. Explain to them that these types of incidents may happen and that it's important to be, you know, number one, to be confident of your background and what you look like and the diversity that you bring to this country. And also, if you see it happen to someone, you know, speak up for them and make sure that people know that it's not okay to say these types of things uh, or to, you know, obviously uh, attack people um, based on the way that they look. Um, and my parents were immigrants. We really didn't have the opportunity to have these kind of conversations. And I think that's why I'm so um, dedicated to this issue, because I don't want other kids to grow up how, you know, maybe I felt when I was a kid when people would say these things to me. And granted, I never really felt like I was in any physical danger. But, you know, I grew up my whole life people making fun of my eyes or my Asian foods. 
uh, telling me to go back or asking me where I possibly learned to speak English, even though I was born and raised here. And again, none of these were life-threatening, but uh, I want to encourage people to talk about it and to make sure it doesn't bother them and to teach each other that these things are not okay to say. Is is that a difficult conversation to have with children to try to explain the painful realities of the world they live in? It is hard. You know, my boys are in middle school. They're a little older. Um, you know, they can understand some of this discussion. Um, I think it's even harder for parents who have kids who are much younger, you know, if you're a toddler. I had a friend who uh, someone, you know, called his five-year-old son uh, a a racial slur, and his son was so confused. So I think at younger ages, it's probably harder to have these conversations. As you said, you grew up in Queens. Does it feel different now? Does the environment, has the environment changed? Um, you know, you you really, it's hard not to think about what's going on and to be mindful all the time. But I also want to say that those incidents are still few and far between. The majority of people are kind. The majority of New Yorkers accept each other for who they are and how different they are and the, the beauty of our city's diversity. Um, so yes, I'm very mindful of it, but also very thankful for so many people who have expressed support for our community. We talked about what you say to your kids. I saw on Twitter you took your grandmother to get her COVID vaccine uh, a week ago. What do you tell your grandmother? What do you tell your parents? Do you try to warn them off about certain things and to be careful? Well, my grandma doesn't really go out too much um, because she's older. Um, she, you know, you want to try to keep her safe. Uh, in fact, the one time we took her out for the vaccine was one of the few times she's gone out in the past year. Um, and so I, I don't worry too much, honestly, because we, we don't really let her come out. Um, but, you know, hopefully um, we're able to keep her safe. Um, but I know a lot of families are telling their parents and their grandparents not to go out if they need groceries. They are coming by to drop the groceries off so their parents don't have to leave the house. We've heard about these uh, groups that have formed to basically serve as uh, escorts to try to get people from point A to point B safely. What what do you hear about that in your district? Is that common? Um, It's not very common yet. I know that there are groups, uh, I believe there's one group in Flushing, and then there are groups popping up around the country. Um, I think the intention is great. People really are nervous, and they want to be helpful, and they know that there is usually safety, more safety in numbers. So this is just an example of, you know, the average person in New York doing what they can doing their part to try to keep their community safe, and we're grateful for their kind hearts. 
Just this week, the Senate voted to advance legislation to strengthen federal efforts to address hate crimes against Asian Americans, especially after such a dramatic surge over the past year. The bill, called the COVID-19 Health Crimes Act, was written with help from Congresswoman Grace Mang. Well, we're really excited that this legislation seems to be headed in a good direction in the Senate and will hopefully soon go through the House. And President Biden has already expressed support for this uh, legislation. Um, this leg- these bills that we're pushing right now would help not only the Asian American community, but really any community that may be a victim, any person that may be a victim of hate incidents in the future. It provides money for local groups to be able to continue to be on the front lines of providing services for so many in the uh, community, in the city. Um, It would provide for dedicated personnel at the Department of Justice. There's no real unified or centralized way uh, for these cases to be handled and reviewed when they're coming into the Department of Justice, if they're even coming into the attention of the federal government at all. And we also want to work with the Department of Justice to make it easier for victims in our local cities to report these incidents, to record the data, to be able to report these incidents, maybe online in multiple languages, to make it easier for us to collect this data. We've heard that underreporting is a problem. How significant a problem do you think that is, and why? Um, it, you know, oftentimes when leaders are asked what someone should do if they're a victim, we very quickly respond by telling them to please just go report the incident. Well, that's a lot more easily said than done sometimes. Sometimes it's a senior citizen who might feel nervous going into a building they've never been into, uh, to a police precinct. They may have language obstacles. Uh, I know someone who was literally on their way to work when someone, you know, said something to them. They didn't have time to go file a report or to wait for an officer. Um, And so we want to make sure that we are using all our tools to make it easier for people to report. Most of the numbers that we've heard about, for example, there's a statistic of 3,800 incidents happening throughout the country over the last year. Those numbers were collected by a local nonprofit organization, which is wonderfully kind of them, but that shouldn't be the job of a local organization to collect statistics for the entire country to use. There was a legislative hearing not too long ago where you had a viral video moment with Texas Congressman Chip Roy. Tell us about that. Well, the Judiciary Committee was hosting uh, this hearing in Congress specifically about the issue of the rise in hate incidents uh, happening to Asian Americans. Um, We had a panel of bipartisan witnesses, Republicans, Democrats, testifying. um, And I got very upset with Mr. Roy when he started going off on topics that had nothing to do with the issue at hand. 
um, and really felt like he was wasting our time and not being serious about what we were trying to, in a bipartisan way, uh, trying to accomplish. I want to go back to something that Mr. Roy said earlier. Your president and your party and your colleagues can talk about issues with any other country that you want, but you don't have to do it by putting a bullseye on the back of Asian Americans across this country, on our grandparents, on our kids. This hearing was to address the hurt and pain of our community and to find solutions, and we will not let you take our voice away from us. Thank you, I yield back. You, as part of your job, have to work with Republicans. How easy or difficult is that for you, especially in light of something like that? Well, I think that this is one of the issues where both sides can agree on. What we saw last night over in the Senate was that Republicans, starting from Senator Mitch McConnell on down, uh, most of them were in agreement and, and supported and helped advance this piece of legislation through the Senate. We know there's a certain level of bipartisan support in the House for helping to solve this problem legislatively as well. So we're not going to agree on every single issue, but I really believe that this is one of the issues that we can move forward together on. Tell us about your meeting with President Biden and what your message is for him. Well, I'm very thankful to have this meeting. His administration is taking this problem very seriously. And so I'm going to obviously thank him for supporting my bill, but also talk to him about the importance of including more Asian American history in our textbooks for our children. And this goes for Asian American history, black history, Latino, Native American, really like all immigrants um, who have come to this country. Everyone is an immigrant. Unless you're a Native American, you're an, an immigrant. And I want every community to feel proud and to fully understand uh, the contributions of their communities to building this great country. Seeing some of the, the things that you've taken up through the years, I'm curious, do, do you see yourself as a, a representative for the underdog? For the underdog? Um, always. That's my job. The name on my door is representative. And representative, you know, I take that title very seriously. It means that I'm doing my best to bring the voices of my constituents to Washington, D.C., and to my colleagues in Congress and trying to find solutions to help solve problems back at home. Um, oftentimes, this means representing voices and concerns that might have nowhere else to be voiced, and they feel like no one is listening to them or paying attention to them, and I, I do feel like that is a big part of my job. Last question. We're out of time, and I appreciate your patience. Looking forward, what is your sense? Are you optimistic, pessimistic? What's your feeling? I'm optimistic. I know that we are in seemingly very tough times right now, but as our country begins to heal from the coronavirus pandemic, 
as we work with President Biden to put forth a an American job plan and get people back to work. Um, and that will hopefully also help lead to um, being able to make our country a safer place and fewer of these types of incidents towards Asian Americans where not only Asian Americans are working to address, you know, discrimination, but all communities are, are really working together to, to combat discrimination. Congresswoman, I wish we had more time, but we don't. So I thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. We said hours after our discussion with Congresswoman Mang, she sat in an Oval Office meeting with President Biden, where he hosted key members of the Congressional Asian Pacific American Caucus. Congresswoman Mang says that level of respect for this group of Asian American lawmakers is an important part of showing the nation that this community deserves our support and respect. 880 In-Depth is a production of WCBS News Radio 880. Peter Haskell and myself, Tim Scheld, are the executive producers. Subscribe so you don't miss a week. Look for 880 in depth wherever you get your podcasts, including the Odyssey app. That's A U D A C Y. Just search 880 in depth. Thank you, and please be safe. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.